Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're doing another in a series of exciting shows from the venue of the National Tribal Health Conference. If you're a regular listener to American Indian Living, you've heard us featuring a number of great people from throughout Indian country here in this exciting venue in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We are recording in September of 2018, and we're talking today with someone who is making a difference with First Nation peoples. He actually runs a group called the Indigenous Pact. Kurt, it's great to have you with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Kurt Brankus, you're the CEO, you're the founder of this organization. It's a relatively new organization. Do I understand that correctly? Yeah, we're a little less than two years old right now. And so Indigenous Pact, I mean, it sounds, uh, well, it sounds somewhat impressive. You've got a a very (laughs) nice logo. And uh, since we can't show it on the radio... Tell us what your logo depicts. So uh, the logo is uh, is an eagle. Uh, it's the head of an eagle. And uh, it was a symbol that for us kind of uh, represented all of the different tribes. So we wanted something that, that basically any tribe or native village could relate to. So what is Indigenous Pact all about? Uh, indigenous pact, uh, the way that I like to think about it is, uh, is a couple, is a few different ways. Um, first and foremost, our mission, uh, is to create health equity within a single generation. Mm. So that's a 25 year mission. Uh, it's okay. a, it's a long, long mission. Uh, and creating equity, um, for us really breaks down, uh, into three different areas. The first is, Increasing the amount of financing that can come into any tribal health program, and uh, typically that's done through state and federal um, uh, funding, and we mm-hmm. look for sustainable revenue uh, long term. Um, the second portion of that is increasing access to care. Uh, and that means both on the reservation and off the reservation, or in your village or outside of your village. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third, um, which is actually we're, we're tackling through another vehicle called the Indigenous Pact Foundation, uh, which is a nonprofit arm that we've put together um, to help reduce health disparities um, uh, within the, uh, the American Indian Alaska Native population. When a lot of people in Indian country speak about reducing disparities, they're speaking about... First Nation peoples actually having equal access, having equal care, having equal markers of of health. Mm -hmm. But as I'm listening to the dialogue, I'm wondering if we're talking, too, about health equity within Indian country. Right. So so where is, is your special emphasis? Well, what I would say our primary focus is the financing end right now and the increasing the access to care. The way that that manifests itself um, is different for every tribe. Mm -hmm. Um, Every tribe or every village has 
different issues that they're experiencing. Um, there are commonalities, you know, um, there's issues around certain conditions that people have. A lot of tribes are, are really looking to how do we take care of our elders? Right putting together long-term service and support sorts of things, whether that's um, help in the home, whether that's uh, nursing care services, things like that. Substance abuse disorder, you know, obviously the opioid epidemic is is hurting everyone right now, but it's especially hit uh, Native communities very, very hard. Um, But, you know, we don't really like to be overly prescriptive in the way that we um, work with tribes. We like to really sit down, get to know them and say, what is what are your concerns and how can we help? Because equity looks a little different um, for every community. Okay. So let's talk to someone just like you've been doing here at this venue. Mm-hmm. People have been coming by your booth. Yep. And let's say a tribal chairperson or tribal council member comes by and is looking at your materials and saying, you know, I've never heard of you guys. Why should we even care? <laughs> Why should I we mean, care? It, it, okay. Right. No, absolutely. No, it's a, it's a great question. So, you know, the way that, that we typically describe our services is really working one-on-one. Um, in a, in a, usually it starts out in a consulting um, sort of fashion, um, usually starting with a small project. Um, that really works on creating sustainable revenue. Um, So a lot of what we see in Indian country is um, health programs often go after grants, and grants Mm -hmm, can be great. mm -hmm. But what we see are uh, as soon as the grant funding runs out, we end up with zombie programs. Mm. And you have people that no longer have funding for these positions. It's a service that they need. Um, but there wasn't a sustainability plan okay. sometimes that are always put behind it. And so what we really focus on is identifying a need and then working and seeing through the state and federal policy to find out ways, because there's pockets of money all uh-huh, over the place. Uh-huh. But then how do we build... Um, the mechanisms and the infrastructure to create ongoing sustainable revenue um, that don't rely on grants. No, I mean, I appreciate this so much because it's so easy to chase one grant after another. You'll start a program that may be meeting a need, like you said, but then there's no funding. That person that's been running it or the group of people, you can't sustain that because they didn't have that outlook. They just said, hey, there's funding for this type of need, why don't we put something together, right? Exactly, right. So I appreciate that uh, philosophy. Are you getting a lot of people in Indian country resonating with this? Are you actually have some success stories already early on? Yeah, we've uh, we've been very fortunate. I mean, I think for uh, the short period of time that we've been around, you know, we started with a, a single customer um, out in uh, the Pacific Northwest, the Muckleshoot tribe, um, who kind of took their risk with us. And and our focus has really been. Um, do what we say we're going to do uh, and do a good job. Mm-hmm. It's easy, I think, to make a lot of promises and then not really come through. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have some really great demonstrations of success. I mean, uh, everything from a, a long-term care uh, program that was getting zero dollars. The tribe was completely self-funding. Uh, I think it was the right thing to do. They wanted to take care of their mm-hmm, elders. Mm-hmm. Um, we, over a six-week period, we identified $3.1 million for them. Wow. Uh, and then we built the infrastructure for them to start to build that. Um, in another case, uh, we were working with a, a tribe that um, had issues with it within their revenue cycle. 
um, and their revenue cycle was slipping within their health center um, to uh, down to about a half a million uh, per month. And we were able to work with them uh, hands-on, work with their staff, um, identify process improvements, um, look at the way that they were billing certain items, and we now have them trending at about 1.3 uh, wow. million per month, which is a significant increase mm-hmm, in mm-hmm, revenue. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, it's sustainable. Um, you know, we've also worked with, with tribes to do feasibility studies. So, um, you know, we worked with a really neat place that, uh, they had a, a health center that they had completely outgrown. Okay. Um, their behavioral health department was really just two trailers, um, that were connected together in a program they were really proud of. And, they had been searching for a way over five years. How do we build a new facility to support our community? Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't know how they could make it all work. And okay. so we reviewed 150 financial documents um, and we put together a feasibility um, study as well as a, uh, a forecast um, built on very reasonable historical kind of trends mm-hmm. to say this is how you could build a $25 million facility mm-hmm. uh, to help serve your people. Wow. So basically, it almost seems you're more of a, a think tank. You're looking at, the, you know, trying to find yep. strategies and things. And basically, at the end of the day, the tribe is making those decisions, but you're giving Absolutely. them input. We really provide guidance, and it's it's looking on the edges and looking through things, um, really understanding the policy, and, and in some cases, really pushing um, the boundaries mm. where uh, other people just say, this is the way it is. Um, we really come in and we take uh, an approach where we say, how can we find a way to make this happen? Now, one of the things that immediately grabs people's attention if they had come to your booth here at the uh, National Tribal Health Conference is some of the promotional materials. You have descriptive materials. And one of my colleagues said, I really like that piece that Kurt has over there. He says, I like these icons. Uh, You've got these images on your um, founder and CEO kind of overview sheet here and a picture of, uh, what, a profile of someone Mm -hmm. emphasizing the brain. It says philosophy. You've got a a little uh, icon of a house. It says family. There's some other social impact. Um, And another really strange one, definitely provocative. It says drones. (laughs) Now, you've you got to explain why is that on there. You know, out of all my interests, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm really just a, a policy geek when it, when it comes down to it. Uh, and I, you know, I like to play with drones and drones oh, are really fun. You know, okay. they can fly. And as a kid, I always wanted, you know, one of those model airplanes. Uh, uh. And uh, I grew up in a farming family that, um, you know, we didn't really have a lot of money growing uh-huh. up. And, um, so when I got to an age, sufficient age, uh, I was like, Hey, I can afford one of these drones now. Uh-huh. And so I like flying drones. Oh, okay. <laughs> so do you actually use that in some of your work or you're just hoping to do that one day? No, it's really know? just more for family vacations oh, now. Okay, yeah, okay. I just get to fly it around and take pictures and video. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, so, so these, oh, I get it. I get it. So this is interest of you personally. Oh, of me personally. They're not yeah. corporate. No, kind of not corporate. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. Okay. Well, it took a while. It took yeah. a while here. Yeah. I see. I think a picture's worth uh, worth better than all the words and all the stuff we could talk well, about. Well, it, it definitely got us dialoguing about it. Yeah. And uh, so social impact. 
Yeah. That is a personal interest of yours, but it's yeah. it's also a corporate interest, isn't it? Yeah. So um, the I was really fortunate a couple of years ago. Um, I was uh, appointed by the White House um, to be a delegate for the United States at this thing called the Global Entrepreneur Summit. And um, when I went there, um, I really got introduced for the first time to the concept of, of social impact uh, and the way that entrepreneurs can start to build businesses that are really focused on um, doing well and doing good at the same time. Okay. Um, one of the the things that happens with typical corporations, and I've been through this, I've um, I've done the whole Silicon Valley thing, and you know, raised a lot of venture capital. And what happens is when you're focused solely on profit, it <laughs> there's a lot of uh, ugly things that come along mm. uh, come along with that. And uh, what's great about social impact businesses or B corporations or you know uh, things of those nature uh, is that you actually take in consideration what it is that you're trying to accomplish in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and in our case, our mission is to improve the, the lives, the autonomy, uh, and the sovereignty of tribal places over, over the health of their people. Mm-hmm. And that's really what matters. It's not about profit. It's about what are we doing to actually leave this world a little bit better place. Um, and we don't have all the answers, but I think that um, finding and working with um, with other people to say this is something that we're going to do and and leave things better for our children and for the next generation um, is something that um, we're called to do and that we should do. No, I appreciate your vision and your philosophy there, and I know a lot of folks they're they're listening. They're saying, "Boy, this guy, it's a new company, but got some uh, success behind him. They like what you're saying." How does someone learn more about the Indigenous Pact? Um, I think the easiest way is just hitting up our website. Um, so, uh, indigenous pact, uh, P A C T dot com. And, uh, we have case studies out there. We put out policy briefs. Um, mm. so we'll go in and we'll go into the, the really detailed, complicated federal and state policy, but then we'll, um, we try and simplify it. We put it into a single page. Uh, it can be really good for health center directors or for their policy people who are, um, things. And we want to be a resource. Um, for people that they know that can come to our website and kind of see some of the latest thinking and some of the cutting edge um, things that we can uh, we can make happen in Indian country. Well, I don't know what your schedule is like, Kurt, but I'm hoping you can stay by for another segment. Yeah, absolutely. would love to. I'd love to talk with you about some of these policy briefs and some of the other resources available at Indigenous Pact. And again, that's indigenouspact.com. We're going to be back with more from Kurt Brankus and uh, actually more from the venue of the National Tribal Health Conference in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We've got a few words from uh, some of those who make this program possible, but we'll be right back after this. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. 
So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Emergency medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You are back with Dr. David DeRose and with Kurt Brinkus. Kurt is the founder and CEO of a group called Indigenous Pact. And Kurt... New organization, but you've got a lot of experience behind you. I'm looking at your bio here. I mean, you've been with uh, groups that people would immediately recognize. Uh, you know, one thing that jumps out at me, United Healthcare. You were chief of staff for their global and domestic operations. So you're not uh, some newcomer in the area of health policy and health organizations, right? Yeah, I'd like to think of myself as old enough to have enough uh, scars and wounds and uh, getting beat up in the industry, but still young enough to try something ambitious. Okay, good. Well, that sounds like what you're doing. So <laughs> give, give us a little insight because a lot of people, they hear about a new organization. I mean, one of the questions always is, I mean, where did the vision come from? Why did you start a couple of years ago Indigenous Pact? Yeah, so... Thanks for asking that. Running my my last company, we were working on a, a value based reimbursement, and I really felt like you know it's a very new trend uh, within healthcare, and we were very early to that game. We ended up creating some patents for some software and and things, and and getting that going. And I really felt like we were changing the world because we had grown that company. We were serving twenty million lives across the U.S. and really felt like I'm I'm doing something uh, here. And uh, in the course of running that business, we were living in another state. We were living in Ohio. And we got a phone call um, one day. And my wife, who's from the Oneida Reservation uh, in Wisconsin, um, her sister had, had um, gotten picked up and, and put into jail. And mm. um, she had two boys who were uh, 10 and 11 at the time. And they needed a place to go. Uh, and being adopted myself, I, you know, just said, well, let's grab, let's grab the babies and we'll, we'll put them in the nest. And, um, 
you know, and I had not interacted in the Indian health system at all. Um, uh, I had always just had normal insurance and just that's how I covered our family and my, my native children. And, um, I needed to interact to get them some basic healthcare services, um, to get them enrolled in school by us. And when I went to go try and figure it out, I was like, okay, I'll just look up IHS and in Ohio and we'll, we'll get this taken care of. No big deal. And the nearest facility was over 500 miles away. Mm. In fact, there was no IHS facility at all in Ohio. And I thought, boy, this, that's strange. And I called their tribe in their health center. And I said, you know, I don't really understand how all of this works, but aren't there treaties or something that, you know, give people coverage for, you know, uh, and the woman on the other end of the phone started laughing and she goes, Oh, that's funny. She goes, there's no coverage once you leave the res. And, and it really was this moment. Um, and it was, a. uh, You know, and I also had that same experience of, you know, understanding what social impact meant and, you know, just having these experiences, it was this confluence of things that were happening Mm -hmm. in my life at the time. And I, I, um, asked my wife, I said, is it okay if, if we stop what we're doing and we really just say, you know, we've got enough experience now. We know how to fix some things. I don't think we can fix it all, but what if we, take a swing at trying to improve the Indian health system in the way that that care is delivered and people get access to care and, mm. and finance. And she said, yeah, that's fine. And so um, we adopted the boys and we moved back to the reservation um, to kind of walk, walk the walk. And uh, we started this company and, you know, here we are. Wow. This is quite the story. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely a life-changing story. You're on a journey and you're saying, hey, we've got challenges that means a lot of other people have challenges, right? If, if we have it, um, the, these two boys, um, they have it. And, you know, I think about when they get to the age when they go off to college, I mean, they shouldn't have to worry about where are they going to get health care. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and there are so many other kids. There are so many other families that have that same same problem. And we just need to make a dent in trying to make this a little better. Wow. So you are actually doing that in a number of ways. You're basically making your services available to tribes. Now, you're not a grant-funded organization, so there's probably some fees that would be uh, entailed if someone was to bring you on to the extended team, if you will? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we are a business, Mm -hmm. but we work with tribes in a way that the amount of revenue that we end up generating for them offsets the any kind of cost that we have and the net benefit is is so large mm-hmm. um uh, that it's hopefully it, it's not seen as you know something that's that's too high of a hurdle to get no over. no no and i and i appreciate it. you've already given us some good concrete examples any other stories come to mind as far as groups that you've worked with or kind of transitioning a little bit because i promised in the last segment mm-hmm. we'd speak some about these policy briefs that you're making available to tribes right well y- you know you know, what we do today um, is very hands-on uh, and getting into the into the DNA of their organization mm-hmm. and really solving very concrete, very real problems that they have today. Um, but as I mentioned, this is a long-term mission. Mm-hmm. And I have philosophies, if you will, or, okay. or a thesis on how this starts to transform over a period of time. And... Um, some of those require taking some pretty big leaps, um, you know, forward um, for tribal organizations and um, and a level of trust within our organization to say they can help us, you know, get to that get to that place. And so one of those um, that we're relying a lot on is the four walls um, rule that certain tribal 638 
clinics um, that are also designated as what's called an FQHC um, have very unique opportunity um, to start to build a much larger network around Mm -hmm. them so that they can increase access to care um, for certain specialties um, around them. And this also has a very close tie to what's called a show letter that was uh, put out in 2016, what was called 100% FMAP, which means that there is uh, 100% federal funding available for um, some of these activities as well. Mm -hmm. And so without getting overly mired into Uh all the detail, because this stuff gets very complicated Uh very very fast, um, essentially how do we start to connect these different pieces of policy um, together to start to, um, again, increase um, the the access to care. And, and the four walls issue is, is a really great example of that. So let's say that uh, I'll just give a very real example. Let's say that you have a um, you have the need for an ENT. The ear, nose and throat specialist. Uh-huh. Um, or some other specialty like that. A lot of times um, tribal organizations don't have that specialty in-house or they don't have the volume of patients to keep one on staff Mm -hmm, all mm -hmm. the time. Um, A lot of times when they have to refer um, someone out for those services, um, they'll, if they're uh, a Medicaid patient or if they're uninsured, um, a lot of times that'll end up coming out of their, what's called their PRC uh, bucket of money. So their purchase referred care, which is a set of allocation of money that they get from IHS each year. And that actually starts to spend down over time. And in a lot of cases, a lot of tribes run out of that money um, every single year. Leveraging the FQHC and this 100% uh, FMAP, this four walls rule, it's a very, only tribes can do this. What they can do is they can set up an arrangement with an ear, nose, and throat specialist, okay, that are that lives outside of their four walls of their clinic. Mm-hmm. And that's where the kind of the term comes from. Okay. They, they set an arrangement with them. They can actually bill at the tribal clinic as if that person was someone that was on their staff. So you mean this ENT, this specialist can be 20 miles away, 50 miles right. away? Exactly. Outside the four walls, anywhere. It could be 100 miles away. Really? And they can bill as if he's one of their practitioners? Inside their clinic. And here's the best part. Let's say that a typical you know, visit for an ENT is, i just make up a number, 150 bucks, uh-huh. right? Um, if you're billing at the what's called the OMB, the IHS rate, um, the current rate for that is four hundred and twenty-seven dollars. Wow! So they'll get to bill four twenty-seven. They can have an arrangement where they'll pay that ear, nose, and throat specialist one hundred fifty dollars, uh-huh. but then the tribe gets to retain the rest of the funding. Okay. And now, inst- so really think about this. Uh-huh. I mean, you're going from I'm spending money that I'm going to run out of mm-hmm. to now I'm generating revenue. Wow! And think about all the additional care that you can provide for your for your citizens. So it's basically just administrative policies, setting up these systems and doing them in the right way. Right. It's complicated, uh-huh. but it, it can be done. And so in our future vision uh, of where all of this goes, and, and um, I envision uh, a card as simple as that that goes in, in the wallet of every single tribal citizen that doesn't matter if you're Medicare, Medicaid, if you're uninsured, if you're covered by PRC, you have this card in there and wherever you end up going within, you know, within this network of providers, Mm -hmm. you show your card and your care gets paid for. You're not carrying around a piece of paper. You're not hoping that it gets covered. Uh You're going to have that security and that peace of mind that if your child goes off to college, 
you know, and they're in another state that they've got that card with mm. them. And these are their tribal benefits. They've been guaranteed these benefits mm. and they need an easier way to get to them. Mm-hmm. Boy, this is a great vision. I, we're going to, we're going to make it happen, man. And, uh, are other people getting as excited about this as I am? I think so. Okay. Um, uh, there, there's been a, a fair amount of buzz about uh-huh. some of the things that we're putting together. Um, it's going to take time. You know, this isn't an overnight solution. Um, but within um, certain circles, it's amazing. Um, even just we're getting calls from different parts of the country where we've never interacted with people mm-hmm. before. And they said, hey, we heard about what you guys are doing. Can we talk? Wow. And that's a really good feeling because uh-huh, uh-huh. you're thinking like, wow, there's there's something out there that's happening. Right. right. Um, that and I, I I've said this to to our team. I feel like we're just riding the wave. Tremendous stuff, mm-hmm. Kurt Brinkus. He's the founder and CEO of Indigenous Pact. Kurt, one more time, if someone wants to connect with you or your team, how do they do it? Uh, really easy. You can um, call me directly. Um, uh, our number is out on the website. It's really easy to get through to me. You can uh, uh, send me an email. Our email's right on our website. Or just go to our website, indigenouspactpact.com. Okay. Kurt, thank you so much. we got to step away. we got another great guest waiting in the wings here at the National Tribal Health Conference. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke, sudden weakness on one side, or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So whether it's around your neighborhood or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give, advocate, volunteer, live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. 
Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're continuing a series of interviews here in Oklahoma City at the National Tribal Health Conference. Across from me now is Casey Dennis. She's the Director for Revenue Enhancement Services with the Tribal Health Alliance. Casey, it's great to have you with us. Hi, thank you for having me. Now, you folks have had a prominent place here at this conference. I know as I've been walking by some of the booths, I keep seeing Tribal Health Alliance. And I'll be honest with you, although the name sounds familiar, I really do not know what the Tribal Health Alliance is. So there may be some of my listeners who are in the same boat. Help us out. Sure, yes. We're kind of a covert company. I say covert. Uh, we like to work within tribal health programs. We are a consulting firm. And so uh, my boss, Chris Walker, and I have both had experience in uh, tribal health management and also some IHS contracting. But we uh, basically are kind of that support service that comes in, gives uh tribes confirmation to move forward in processes and visions that they have uh, for that their tribe and their programs that maybe they didn't have under the Indian Health Service or uh, prior to going self-governance. So. Okay, so basically you're especially working with those self-governance tribes usually? Is that usually what yes, happens? Yes, that's kind of our key um, key population, but we have uh, maintained a relationship with the Indian Health Service as well. And so we've gone in as a consultant to kind of um, do some reviews for them where areas where they may have deficiencies or have had some management issues. And we go in and kind of give them new ideas outside the box of what Indian Health Service normally does and some ideas that maybe tribes have utilized that have worked and been successful. So because we've had a lot of connections, especially here in Oklahoma, um, there's 39 tribes here. Mm -hmm. And so uh, many of them are self-governed. And so uh, compared to the rest of the United States, the population for self-governance is very dense here. And so we have a lot of experience, a lot of good examples and good bad examples okay. of um, what works and what doesn't work. And so, you know, we've we've kept those relationships and, and consultations open so that way we can help all tribes and all Native uh, health care programs. So let's talk to maybe a smaller tribe. They're listening in on American Indian Living. We go out on about 170 stations across the U.S., so... Maybe a, a tribal health director is listening, smaller tribe, smaller health uh, service operation, and they're saying, you know, should we really bring everything in under our tribal umbrella? Should we uh, take charge of our own health services? Right. Uh, and they're, you know, at that kind of juncture, is this a tribe who would be one of the the groups that you would like to talk with that would benefit from speaking to folks at the Tribal Health Alliance? Absolutely. Um, I actually started at my own tribe, which is the Absentee Shawnee Tribe, oh, relatively okay. small here in Oklahoma. Uh -huh. uh, we did... Uh, when we started the self-governance process, we were one of the first 16 tribes that took self-governance back in the early 90s when it became available. Um, first was through the uh, Bureau of Indian Affairs and then was later managed through Indian Health Services. But uh, we actually managed a PRC program and then developed from there. So it's if they're uh, considering that, you know, there's options instead of taking all services in-house to do piece at a time and manage those successfully and then grow from there. And so, um, of course, we we love working with the smaller tribes, giving them all those different options that they possibly can go with. Um, some, of course, are more financially secure and can take those bigger options. And I mean, even though you're getting Indian health funding um, from the government, there's also, you know, caveats where you may not think of funding that you need or, or payroll that you might need under um, a tribe that maybe is not funded under Indian Health Service. And so you want to make sure that you have that funding available um, 
and so we have some creative ways that we've seen tribes and we've worked with tribes to make sure that their funding is, you know, substantial and mm-hmm. can help afford those. And then if not, that there are other resources, grants, things out there that can help get them to the point of um, a feasibility study or something to decide um, an educated decision on how to move forward. So whether it take in all the services and um, manage those themselves or if they uh, take piece by piece and maybe, you know, have a management company help get everything established, get a foundation. And that's kind of what we do is help them, um, like the training wheels of getting them off mm-hmm, the ground and getting mm-hmm. started. And so, yeah, we definitely want to talk to smaller tribes and offer so, them those resources. So tell us some success stories. People are, are saying, well, I think we have an idea of what <laughs> Tribal Health Alliance does. But 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 tell us uh, about some tribes you've worked with sure. and maybe some of the exciting things that you've seen. Sure. Um, as I said, we started out at my tribe, which is Absentee Shawnee here in Oklahoma. Um, we started out at a four-exam room clinic in Little Axe, Oklahoma. After about six years of some uh, very creative directors coming in, trying to open new services, providing new services to the community. Uh, we also did a joint venture with the Indian Health Service. So that got us a big new facility. So from that four exam room clinic that we had in Little Axe, now we have a 75,000 square foot multi-specialty clinic wow. that serves the whole population and also pulls in from here, Oklahoma City. Wow. And so that's one of our our my homegrown success uh-huh, story, uh-huh. but also one of ours because Chris Walker, my boss, has, was also involved on that. And so I helped um, with the business office side, the financial side, making sure that the tribe was prepared to take on that financial. Um, at the time, it was a risk. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. We were really branching out uh, financially. And so that was something that, you know, trying to make sure that was secure, it really taught me a lot. You know, I'm sure it taught Chris a lot, but he's a very educated man. So he brought a lot of knowledge with him to the tribe. So now, um, absentee Shawnee, they have an urgent care. They have that 75,000 square foot clinic. Mm -hmm. They have a Shawnee clinic in Shawnee, Oklahoma, and then they're expanding services. And it's, it's really Really? a beautiful thing to see. So that's one success story. Um, we also currently, uh, are working with the Winnebago tribe of Mm -hmm. Nebraska and they have currently, uh, 638 self-governance from Indian Health Service, and they kind of have, you know, a history that a lot of people know about, you know, with the Indian Health Service losing CMS certification. So um, we aren't working on the actual compliance side, but on the financial and business office side, we kind of help um, support and maintain to make sure that they uh, continue to take in revenue after the loss of the CMS certification. There was a little, you know, a low time. And so we helped to kind of improve operations, get revenue back up. And then when the tribe decided to 638 and self-governance, uh, we were also there and are contracted with them to support that function and make sure that uh, all the operations continue or increase under the tribe's operations. So that's two of our, our biggest ones that we've worked with. So for someone, you know, hearing all these, uh, you know, alphabet soups, these abbreviations <laughs> that we use in the healthcare industry, this significance of uh, losing your standing with CMS, that's basically cutting off your, your Medicare funds, and right? And Medicaid, right, funds. right. Okay. Yeah. And so it's kind of a, you know, that's a heartburn and, you know, hopefully it's something that the Winnebago tribe's going to move past, of course, and, and they are. And so it's just something that, you know, tribes want to be aware of. You know, there are regulations and there are right ways and wrong ways to do certain things. I mean, we can always think outside the box. And of course, bringing that money in from Indian Health Service to become self-governance, it opens up the doors to be able to kind of maneuver the funding within the healthcare um, services to be able to provide more specifically to what's needed in the community. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, so we really kind of watch revenues and, and CMS, like you're saying, it, it's it's a big, uh, you know, bruise, but it's something that's, you know, a baseline somewhere to start from scratch and kind of start over and, and do it the right way. So we've been talking about the organization that you represent, Tribal Health Alliance. Folks are getting this picture. You're 
a team that can help them perhaps with a variety of issues that right. relate to healthcare delivery yes. at their tribe. And yet they may be wondering about the logistics. How does this all work? Are you funded from outside sources? Are they contracting with you? How does all that work? Yes, we are a, a contracted consulting firm, so independent contractors. Um, we do uh, business either with the tribal council um, or a tribal health program, depending on how the structure is set up. And then uh, we do you know, a lot of on-site work, but we also do a lot of remote work, a lot of uh, representation. And so uh, I do a lot of traveling myself, so okay. at least two to three weeks a month, I'm actually wow. on site at you know a tribal health facility on a reservation or in a uh, city area, urban area, and so mm-hmm. we're really hands on. So a lot of lot of on call, on site uh, emails. I mean, we're always in connection. Are there geographic limitations to where you go, or is anywhere no. in Indian country fair game? Anyone that needs help, and yep, we are there to serve them. So. Give us a little bit more feel of how big your team is. I mean, if, if, if someone calls up in, you know, from the Pacific Northwest, they said, hey, we heard about you guys. We, we're listening on American Indian Living, and uh, we'd like you to come up and look at our tribal clinic, give us some ideas. Are you going to say, well, you know, the two of us are spread pretty thin. We'll be able to get there in 10 years, or how does this work? Well, actually, Chris and I are the only full-time employees, but we do have several part-time contractors and independent contractors that are very specialized. So we have like a a director of nursing type um, contract. We have a financial contract. We have loans and lending. We have a grant manager. So we have people who are within the industry that we Mm -hmm. contract with because, you know, we don't always carry a full-time load in specific areas, but, you know, we're so vast that uh, Chris and I do kind of you know, take on the brunt of most of the work and, mm-hmm. and doing the analyzing so that we can figure out who we need to pull in and work on that. So it's always a moving, a moving operation. So basically what I hear you saying is if someone works with you, they're getting some experienced folks yes. know what they're doing. They're not getting yes. someone out of high school who you right. guys have stuck out on the front lines and you'll, you know, exactly. let them sink or swim, right? Exactly. And, and you're getting professionals who have actually performed within tribal management functions or Indian health service uh, management functions and not just private practice because there are differences in things that, um, you know, we do uh, have private practice uh, specialists that have come into tribes before that we've worked with that have been great, but it's been, you know, a learning curve for them to understand. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. with our company, we make sure that, you know, we have pulled someone who is either, you know, recently retired or is, you know, working for another consulting firm that doesn't mind, you know, there's no competition going between us. And so it's really been, you know, advantageous. We've not had any problem, you know, connecting or, and we have a lot of partners that we resource with too. So it's something we can't do. We usually know someone who can or another company that can help out and provide information or services. Now we've had an opportunity to talk with a number of organizations, a number of service providers here at the National Tribal Health Conference. And, uh, just before your segment was um, Kurt Brinkus with the Indigenous Pact, mm-hmm. and I imagine you guys know each other. It sounds like there's some similarities in what you do. Am right. I? Are we hearing that correctly? Uh, from my understanding, and I haven't had a time to sit down with Kurt, but uh, I believe Chris has, and they did. They they had lunch yesterday, so they're oh, on okay. the same page oh, okay. Okay. and kind of working on collaborations, and that's kind of what we do. So where we do find companies that have uh, similar areas, we do collaborate, and so mm-hmm. it's never a competition. I mean, we have we have other competitors, I guess you want to call them, uh-huh, uh-huh. that are that do a lot of similar things, um, but. 
we tend to kind of try to collaborate, but we have a kind of special niche that we are more on site than some of these companies okay, okay. and do a lot more like one-on-one uh, mm-hmm, personal, mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't say counseling, but training, getting right, an understanding right, right. of a person's skills. And so we actually do more management one-on-one piece than, than some of these where they kind mm-hmm. of work with the organization. We'll actually kind of drill down and work with more of the operational and day-to-day staff. And I think that's so helpful for the listeners, at least from the vantage point of the folks running the program, just to kind of hear because people are saying, yes, we need more input, but we're saying, hey, here's organizations, they're in Indian country, they're making a difference. And just to give a little bit more exposure, I mean, it's great Mm -hmm. to be at a venue like this. I know you've probably had a lot of great contacts, right? Yes, always. (laughs) But there's so many people who can't come to a a national tribal health conference and they they need this information as well. Mm -hmm. How does someone get in touch with you, Casey, or with Chris, um, if they're wanting to learn more about how you perhaps could help them, their tribe, their health clinic, whatever. Sure. Um, we have several different ways you can reach out to us. Of course, the old email, um, Casey, which is K-A-Y-C-I dot tribal health, which is one word at gmail.com. That's my email mm-hmm. or just tribal health at gmail.com. That's our main, uh, email address. We also have a website, www.tribal health alliance, I believe. I just say right sometimes we me. abbreviate, so I wanted to make uh-huh. sure. Yeah. Uh, www.tribalhealthalliance.com. It's got some general information. Of course, we're so busy that we don't always update that. So contacting us directly or my uh, phone number is 405-328-3824. And I take consulting calls all the time. So Tremendous. I'll give that out once more before we have to just slip away. But sure. uh, Casey Dennis, K-A-Y-C-I. So Health at gmail.com, or if you didn't get that phone number, 405-328-3824. You can always call the networks that carry the show, like Native Voice One or Life Talk Radio, or the stations. Many of them have information about our guests. Casey, I know you got to slip away. I know i got another guest waiting in the wings, but thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I appreciate it. If you're tuning in, we're going to be back with more Don't Go Away. Dr. David DeRose, our final segment coming up right after this. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. 
People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand, and someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're in our final segment of today's edition of the show, coming to you from the National Tribal Health Conference. And I'll be honest with you, I'm both excited and I'm kind of disappointed because one of the people I would have loved to have done a whole hour show with is sitting across from me, Eileen Sylvester. She's the Vice President for Executive and Tribal Services with the South Central Foundation in Alaska. Eileen, it's great to have you with us. Thank you. It's good to be here. You know, I keep hearing about you guys. In fact, it doesn't matter who I talk with. I'm hearing about the Nuka System of Care, the South Central Foundation. I was just speaking with a friend. Uh, she actually helps uh, run a foundation. They're actually uh, graciously one of our supporters for American Indian Living Radio and for some of the work we're doing with diabetes in Indian country. And she said, I was just up in Alaska at a training that the uh, the Nuka System of Care was putting on the South Central Foundation. I said, wow, they're right here. Their booth is just a little ways away from us. And she was very, very excited about what you guys are doing. But others still haven't heard about you. So help share some of that excitement. Why are people getting excited about what's happening in Alaska? Okay. So we do have people from around the world that are coming to see what we're doing. Um, as Alaska Native people, we have taken over our own health care from the Indian Health Service, the federal government. So we have, um, through the Indian Self-Determination Act, um, a compact. It's a, um, a legal document that um, gives us the right to... Um, determine ourselves what it is that we want to do. And so South Center Foundation started in 1982. Um, we got our first contract, um, small contract for dental behavioral health um, with the Indian Health Service. And then in 1994, we actually took over all of our health care. So when we started back then, we actually started with three family medicine doctors okay. in two old ACO trailers at the old hospital that was condemned. Wow. And we started with about, um, when I started in 1995, we had about 200 employees. Today, we are an organization that has um, over 80 programs, clinics, departments, and 2,300 employees. Wow. Of those employees, 55% are Alaska Native American Indian, uh-huh. and 65% of management is Alaska Native American Indian. And so just some of the things that we have walked through our core values is looking at the whole person. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's been very important. As Native people, we know that you just can't, it's not just the physical part of us that needs healing, it's the whole person, Mm -hmm. Um, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual wellness. And we knew we couldn't do it by ourselves. It had to be in partnership with our Native community and the other partners that are within, within Alaska in our community. And so our mission is working together with them. And then we have a lot of... um, core values that we work is shared responsibility. And so that's myself as an Alaska Native person working with my provider. 
It's employees working together for the services that we provide. It's reaching out to our larger community. Um, there's a couple of hospitals in Anchorage. And so everyone that we're around, it's everyone taking their piece um, to make sure that we're providing the services that we need to provide. Um, commitment to quality, that's about our employees. We want to make sure that our employees um, are doing the best that they can do. Uh, it's around um, having them understand what our vision and mission is. And so really, as employees, you're going to talk to us, and we are going to be just as passionate about what we're doing. You're going to, every single one, because we've literally changed the future for our community and our people mm -hmm. from where we started. Um, so in this last year, we had um, 41 graduate, 11 with, 11 with master's degrees, 8 with bachelor's degrees, 2 with doctorate degrees, and then associate degrees and certifications. Again, if you have an education, um, it, it's part of wellness again. If you have a job, it's part of wellness. And so we're looking at the whole community and what it is that we can do to support them, bring them into the organization. And so we're doing that. Also, family wellness is another core value for us. And so if you impact a family, you'll impact a community, a region, a state, a country, and a world. So that's really okay. our goal. We want to impact the world with what we're doing. And we can literally show that um, what we're doing within our healthcare system is translatable. Mm. Um, I think the East Bend Cherokee um, is a good example of that, where they've taken what we're doing. They actually built a new hospital. And the facility, if you walk into their primary care area, looks similar to ours. Okay. And so within our primary care system, I have my own provider team. Uh -huh. So that's an MD. That's going to be a mid-level. That's going to be a nurse case manager. That's going to be a certified um, medical assistant and then a certified medical support. And so that's kind of the, the core team. But attached to that, there's going to be a behaviorist. Um, that's going to be a pharmacist. That's going to be um, a nutritionist. That's going to be a wellness coordinator. We have a whole wellness center that we'll wow. refer you over to. Um, and then we've actually co-located psychiatrists there. Mm -hmm. And so based on the relationship with your provider, we've actually got data to show that the health of our people is improving. Um, based on that, we've reduced by about 35% those that go into the hospital, hospital stay days, about 50% that have to go to the emergency room. Um, and so, again, everything that we do, we have an amazing um, database um, that we track everything. If you, if you don't have the data, you can't. It didn't happen. Okay, and so fair. early on, we actually um, implemented that. Um, the other thing that we're doing, I think, that's very different from a lot of other healthcare systems is um, we've integrated the behaviorist into our primary care team. Hmm. But then on top of that, we've actually taken um, our behavioral health division and we've actually done a restructure in there. And so you'll go in and um, get a, a, an appointment with um, more of a, like a, a mid-level. Okay. And, so a physician assistant or a nurse practitioner. Um, well, it's um, in the behavioral health world. So there will be oh, a, okay. a clinician that will see you. And then depending on what the need is, then they'll refer you out to the other areas. Mm -hmm. We also have what we call learning circles. And those learning circles will be maybe it's grief grief and okay. loss. Uh -huh. And so we have community, own, um, community members that come in, which we call customer owners. And so that was one of the other things that we had to do mm. is really change the way that we see ourselves. So as a customer owner, instead of a patient, you're treated with respect, you treat others with respect. And as an owner, you take ownership of your health care. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to find as you walk around our facilities, they've, we've had them now for 20 years, and they still look brand new. 
So the customer owners, as they come in, are taking care of that because they own it. This and is so great. That, that was a real big um, first step that we had to do within our healthcare system to change how we see ourselves as Native people. That is, I think, one of the things that my friend was most impressed with. She mentioned that. She said this concept of customer owner is really transforming the way people look at their care, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And so, again, you're taking responsibility. You're making sure that you're getting your annual exams done. We're making sure that you're getting your colonoscopy if that's what you need. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of outreach into the community. We have an annual gathering. And so, again, we want the larger community as well as our customer owners and Native people to come and see. We have about 3,000 people that walk through. We have about 150 booths of South Central Foundation programs and other community partners within the Anchorage area. We have our Native vendors there, so they're selling things. Okay. You're always going to have food. Okay. You're always going to have some kind of Native dance. Uh -huh. You're always going to have some component of family and fun. And so those are kind of the things that we do. Again, if there's food, they'll come. And so um, in the middle, it's usually about January after the excitement of Christmas, and you're kind of into that darkest time in Alaska, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, where you might get some sun from 10 to 2 in Anchorage. In the north, you don't get any sun at all. And mm -hmm. so it's really critical to make sure that, that we have people that are connecting to the community, mm -hmm. that we have community activities they can participate in. And so, again, we're always going to make sure that, that – um, that we're reaching out and we're connecting. We have an elders program, about a thousand elders that we provide services to, and we provide about 130 lunches a day. Nice. And then they're doing things like beating, they're making drums. Our Head Start kids are coming over and singing Christmas carols. Very nice. Um, this last year, the Head Start kids planted seeds, and then our Native Men's Wellness program actually made some built up raised um, gardening boxes. Mm -hmm. Our elders went ahead and planted working with our interns. Uh -huh. And so, again, it's intergenerational activities that encourage at all levels and they learn something. They learn story, culture, and different things like that. Mm -hmm. And so, everything we are doing is going to, again, incorporate the generations. This is, a, this is such great material. I know there's so much more you could share. And unfortunately, on this show, the clock always wins. It doesn't yes. matter how interesting my guest yes. is. But we've got to get some information about how people can connect with you. How do you recommend they do that, Eileen? Yes. And so we actually have a NUCA system of care. And um, you can go to the SouthCentralFoundation.com um, website. And you can find the information there. Our... Um, Phone number, I guess, is 907-729-4955, and they can go ahead and um, connect you to the Nucas um, Institute that we have um, at South Center Foundation, and um, they'll make sure that you get connected to the right people. The other thing that I'll quickly mention is we have a conference that we do during Solstice oh, okay. Week every year, uh -huh. and we have a lot of people. It's interesting to see um, Singapore, England, Scotland, um, New Zealand, Amazing. Australia. Amazing come. And that so it's exciting. Eileen Sylvester, thank you so much for sharing with us. If you folks didn't get that contact information, southcentralfoundation.com, or you can call the number 907-729-4955. If you didn't catch that, give the station a call that's hearing this show, or go to one of the websites, lifetalk.net, or nv1.org. You can get programming information there. Well, that's all for today. We've got to step away from the mic again. But listen, thank you for joining us. And as always, I'm Dr. David DeRose wishing you the very best of health.
Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.